thank you. Welcome and thank you for joining us again here tonight. I'm excited for another time of Bible study. Pray with me. <clears throat> Spirit of the living God, we thank you. We ask you to fall fresh on us tonight. Speak to us. Help us to boldly proclaim your truth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you tonight. As you can see behind me, we're on a series entitled Answers for the Struggle, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Problems. This is part 10, Answers for the Struggle, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Problems. <clears throat> it always catches me, and I'm always awed by the fact that a text written 2,500 or more years ago, probably even further than that, has such an impact on us now, can still speak to our lives. But it goes to show you how um, values and principles and ways of living are so such eternal truths that they don't really change. Those truths hold dear and hold fast. And so tonight I wanna look at chapter 10 and um, I want to look at it because it's interesting. We don't have the longer stories of the first nine chapters, but we have here uh, quick vignettes, quick hits, um, what are really what I describe as concrete choices aligned and compared to consequences. So they're concrete choices that are aligned and then compared to the consequences. So you choose wrong, you choose wrong, and that, that wrong choice comes with a uh, negative consequence. Nothing good comes out of that bad choice. A bad, a bad choice sets you up for failure. And I believe that what the text intends is that it says, here's what the choice would be. You do this, and it's not going to turn out good. And in case you think that there is a principle or a need that supersedes living this way, I'm going to tell you that your values have to be the foundation of your actions. Let me rephrase your principles have to be what undergirds every decision you make. And if a decision violates your principles, then you know the answer to that, that equation. You can't do it because it's against what you foundationally believe. Now, one of the problems in life is that we don't always have a clear idea of what it is we believe. If you don't know your clear must-haves and your clear must-believes and your clear foundational principles, then it's easy to, for someone to come and exploit that naivete and get you off of where you will later discover was a foundational principle. 
of what you really wanted to do and be. So these proverbs are random in some ways, black and white illustrations laid before the reader. I say random in that there's so many of them in, cha in chapter 32 that they, they appear not to necessarily be connected to the one previous, but they are connected, but they're random at the same time. And it's going to be all that way, the, the, that way till chapter 22. So this cluster between chapter 10 and chapter 22 are going to be like quick hits, pow, 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 um, of things you need to really know. And so for chapter 10, what I've done is I've clustered them. And, in, and here in chapter 10 for our discussion and thinking tonight, there are six thematic clusters of contrasting life lessons. Six thematic clusters of contrasting life lessons. Sort of a do, don't do, do, don't do. A compare and contrast. And so you have them here, and let's look at them together. The first of this series of, of clusters is this. It is diligence versus disgracefulness. Diligence versus disgracefulness. And for those of you keeping notes, this cluster is verses one through five. So in Proverbs chapter 10, the first cluster, diligence versus disgracefulness, one through five. Let's read. The Proverb of Solomon. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish, stubborn son who refuses to learn is a grief to his mother. I, 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 I look at that text and say, why, why isn't if you start out with the father, why didn't you say he was a grief to his father? Because I'm sure he's angered and not grieving. Treasures of wickedness and ill-gotten gains do not profit, but righteousness and moral integrity and daily life rescues from death. The Lord will not allow the righteous to hunger. God will meet all his needs, but he will reject the castaway and craving of the wicked. Poor is he who works with a, ne with a negligent and idle hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich him rich. He who gathers during the summer and takes advantage of his opportunities is a son who acts wisely. But he who sleeps during harvest and ignores the moment of opportunity is a son who acts shamefully. Let's break it down. You see, he talks now about the diligent or wise son. And he contrasts that against a foolish son. And for him, the wise son and the foolish son in the text are both working and gaining treasure. 
But the wise son is doing it with righteous integrity. The foolish son is gaining what the text require, calls ill-gotten means. So that even though they're both prospering by the sheer definition of prosperity, the way the prospering is done is as important as the prosperity itself. And how he secures the righteous son is to tell the righteous son, hey son, even if you don't gain as much or as quick as that other one, don't you worry, God takes care of God's own. God's gonna keep on feeding you. You will not, verse three says, man of God, woman of God, you're doing the right thing, you will not go hungry. God will meet your needs. That other one, God rejects already. But you, who are attempting to live a righteous life, God steps in. The New Testament picks up on this in the words, but my God shall supply all of your needs. He says, let me tell you something. If you work hard, uh, that lazy person over there who wants to quick, fast, and in a hurry, got a get-rich scheme every week, got to hustle every week, trying to pull something off, trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes, trying to take somebody else's goods, trying to do something nefarious or wicked or evil to get money. He said, don't you worry about them. That person there, their wealth is meaningless. But if you work with your hands, you do the right thing, prosperity is going to be, be with you. God's going to make you rich. The hand of the one who works. He says, look, that other lazy bone joker over there who doesn't take advantage of opportunity, who won't go to work, who won't do what's right, that one there, that person is a shame to his family. A shame to his family. You know, it's not, it's not that you have to make a whole lot, but you ought to be doing something. Somebody say, well, you know, I don't have the, <laughs> excuse me, I don't have the job I want. Well, you know, I, I, I can only go back to that, that wonderful football player who was stocking groceries in the grocery store, who says, I'd rather stock groceries in a grocery store than to not work. I'll feed my family with grocery stocking. Now, I know I've got a golden arm. I know I can pass the ball. I know I've got a mind to play football. Kurt Warner said, but right now, I don't have a football job. What I have now is a need, and I'm not going to stay at home and say, that's beneath me. I'm going to work. People got all upset when they saw that young man who used to be on the Cosby show out there working in, in I think he was working at Home Depot or one of those uh, uh, stores. And they said, well, what are you doing there? Look, I got a need. And if no one's giving me an acting job, I know I can act. But right now, I need to feed my family. I need to take care of business. I'll go out and do what I need to do. And because he was there, 
Instead of someone shaming him, he ended up with work. He ended up with a job. He ended up employed. He ended up getting acting jobs. Because let me tell you something, there's nothing that will make you more respectable than hard work. Nothing that will make you more, more, more lovable and likable than a person that is industrious that says, I'm not waiting on opportunity, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to, I'm going out and get my work on. I, I say to my to folk all the time, that's right, Stacy, Kurt One. I, I say to folk all the time, it makes no sense that a person who is a drug dealer will work that corner all through the night, but he won't take a night job. It makes no sense that someone will say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out here on my grind, and that grind is going to be ill-gotten gain. I got to run from the police every time I see a cop car. I got to be scared every time. No! You, you, you up there talking about that rolling, going to catch me riding dirty, going to catch me riding dirty, going to catch me riding. Why are you riding dirty? <laughs> Why are you riding dirty? Jay-Z write a song, got 99 problems, but a, a, a female dog ain't one. Let, let me help you here. The only reason you would even have to write that song or worry about that song is that some, at some point you're riding in a vehicle and you were worried about a police dog coming up to your car. Why would you do it? There are too many other ways to work. As long as McDonald's is high, as long as, as, as Arby's and, and, and Burger King and anyone else and any one of these Lowe's and Home Depot, there's work to be had. Laziness is the biggest crisis. And let me tell you something, and the other part of that crisis is the fact that some people think work is beneath them. I've never seen a job I wouldn't do. I worked as an iron worker with my dad all through college. I came home, I went to school in the fall and spring, and in the, between school, I would come home and I'd go to the union hall and they would let me work as a worker. And I went out on iron work jobs in between school so that I could make money in those few weeks in between school to go back to school. And when the summer came, <coughs> I was out there on that iron, carrying that iron on my shoulder and working. Why not? Why not? I knew my parents weren't wealthy, but if I can go out there and make $10, $15 an hour on that iron, and I can carry some steel and carry some money back with me instead of waiting for somebody to put some money in my hand when I leave, there's no sense in being lazy. Laziness is a, is a sin and it, it is a shame to your parents. You know, uh, Exodus 20 and 12 says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Deuteronomy 5.16 says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You honor your parents, not only by gaining wealth, but by the way you gain it. 
And I don't care if your parents are living or, or with the Lord. Wherever they be, you can honor them by just how you accumulate what you get. The second one, the second one is the cluster of verse 6 through 11. Verse 6 through 11. And I call this dignity versus depravity. <coughs> dignity versus depravity. And this is not only what you do, this is what comes out your mouth. Mouth of the righteous, the mouth of the wicked. Beginning verse 6. Blessings on the head of the righteous. The upright. Those in right standing with God. But the mouth of the wicked concealeth violence. Verse 7 is, is a verse that if you, uh, if you got your Bible, if you've got your, P, your personal device, highlight verse 7. Keep it for yourself for later on as well. The memory of the righteous person is a source of blessing. But the name of the wicked will be forgotten and rot like a corpse. The memory of the righteous is a source of blessing. The memory of the righteous is just. It's a blessing. And what you want <clears throat> in the end of your days to have people remember you as a blessing. You don't want people to look, right, look at you and say, Lord, have mercy. The world's a better place. Lord, have mercy. The, the, Lord, that devil is gone. One less demon in the universe. No, you want your memory to be a blessing. Verse 8. The wise heart are willing to learn so they will accept and obey instruction. But the babbling fool who is arrogant thinks himself wise will come to ruin. I, I, um, I like that verse. I really do. Uh, verse 7 and 8 in the Living Bible says this way. If you rebuke a mocker, you will only get a smart retort. Yes, he will, he will snarl at you. So don't bother with him. He will only hate you for trying to help him. But the wise, when rebuked, will love you all the more. Let me tell you something. I'm going to bless somebody right now. Don't get upset when people don't accept good, solid wisdom. Don't get mad at them. Don't lose sleep over them. Just recognize you do not want to cast your pearls to swine. Some people are so stuck on stupid that you cannot help them. And you need to realize that and don't lose your mind for their stupidity. I look at these people, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk about anybody in particular, but <clears throat> some of these persons who stand up now, 
uh, these persons who are in Congress, and I don't know how they got elected, the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world. I have no clue what made people vote for her, but sometimes when I hear her talk, I say to myself, where did you get that idea from? Uh, the 45th president, where did you get that? How do we, <clears throat> and people say, well, I'm gonna correct him, I'm gonna say something to him. And, and each time they get a smart retort and they're, they're surprised. Some folk you can't help. You, you just have to pray to God they don't get in a position where they can hurt you. Some folk refuse to receive wisdom. He says he walks in integrity and with moral character. I'm in verse 9 now. Walks securely. But he who takes the crooked way will be discovered and punished. You know, we used to, with the, the scripture teaches, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is death and destruction. There, there, is, there is a right and a wrong. And learning to walk in the way of character. And, and I know, you know, we're never all gonna be perfect at it. We're gonna have moral failure, failings. We're gonna miss the mark, but, but at least be aiming at it. If you don't make it, at least be trying. Sometimes we act, we act like we're not even trying. Verse 10, he who maliciously winks the eye of evil intent causes trouble. And the babbling fool who is arrogant and thinks himself wise will come to ruin. You know, there are some people, and I'm not saying any of them are listening to me now, but there are people who will, they'll hear the truth, they'll shake their head like they understand, and then somebody that they're in cahoots with, they'll give them that little wink, you know, and say, yeah, we, we know what you're saying, but we're going to do what we want to do. We know, we know what you're saying, but we're going to do this other thing. Or we're going to go along and say, okay, for now, but we got a scheme over here later. But understand this, that wink of the eye, that, that babbling idiot, that arrogance is going to bring them to ruin. It may not happen today, it may not happen tomorrow, may not happen next week, but sooner or later, like a house of cards, that stuff comes tumbling down. Then he says, verse 11, he says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, and his words of wisdom are a source of blessings. But the mouth of the wicked conceals violence and evil. Let me say this to you. One of the ways you know where you are in your walk with God is how you talk. If you can get to the place where faith, hope, and love become the foundational principle by which you begin any dialogue, then you recognize that you've come to a new place of your spiritual maturity. Because your mouth is going to be a key indicator of how far you've come in God. Now I just messed somebody up. Because see, if all you do is talk about people, 
if your words only hurt people, if you say things that are jarring and scarring and damaging without ever being concerned, if you share truth as you say, well, I was telling the truth, but you do it in a manner that hurts people, your spiritual maturity is still shallow. Because out of your mouth ought to flow wisdom. Out of your mouth ought to flow hope. Out of your mouth ought to flow love. Out of your mouth ought to flow love, flow faith. And people that don't get this, God give me grace to share this principle tonight. There are too many believers that talk out of the arrogance of their flesh, believing that it's okay because they thought it. Well, I can say what I think, I'm grown. I can say what I think, this is what I felt. No, you can't. Good judgment ought to guard your tongue. Just because you can doesn't make it right. Just because you get away with it doesn't mean it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a Will Smith fan. I love Will. I, I don't know what happened at the Oscars. But I do know that just because he could didn't mean that there wouldn't be heavy, heavy repercussions. And I'm not talking about that little petty 10 years, Oscar, whatever that is, or, or lack of a movie, or somebody said, we won't make this movie because you said, those things mean nothing. He's got enough money. That means nothing to that young man. You, you, you all miss it. If you think that the penalties are what anybody outside of himself can have. Will Smith is a person of integrity and he has values, and nobody is going to beat him or hurt him the way he has had to battle with it himself. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You've let things jump out of your mouth that later on you regret it even if you didn't say it to anybody else because you knew you were wrong. And for days on end, burdened you, but you were too self-prideful to fix it. You walked in your carnality. You walked in your flesh. And you did not walk as a person of integrity in the spirit of God. Guard your tongue. For in it can flow the words of life or the words of death. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Dreams have been killed by what people have said. Visions have died by what people have said. Lives have been lost by what people have said. Guard it. I'm, I'm sorry, I just... There, there's a moment right there that God's speaking to somebody. God is speaking to somebody. Your maturity is going to be indicated 
by what comes out your mouth. Now, from now on, this next week, I just want you, I don't want you to try and, and to say something different or do something other than what you normally would do. What I want you to do is pay attention to what you do so that you can judge yourself. See, if you used to be the one telling off waitresses and yelling at people in the grocery store and talking about people, yeah. Uh, Chris Jenner in that car talking to the person, her driver, and was saying some things, and her daughter was over on the side saying, Mama, we're on videotape. We're on videotape. Mama, and she tried to calm down and say it differently. No, baby. It's not we on videotape. This is how we ought to act in a better manner. We ought to be this whether we're on tape or not. Come on, I gotta go, I gotta go. Number three, verses 12 through 18. Number three, it is discernment versus deceitfulness. Discernment versus deceitfulness. Beginning at verse 12 through to verse 18. The cluster is 12 to 18. Here's the word. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers and overwhelms all transgressions, forgiving and overlooking another's faults. Stop right there. People get mad at me and they get upset when I tell them, I don't like words like hate. And young people throw words like, I'm gonna kill you, I hate you, I can't stand you, you're nothing to me. They throw those words around as, as simply throwaway lines, but they have meaning and they have power. And when you begin to use hate speech, you will eventually be a hater. And, and what you have to learn is when you really mature in God, you'll know it by your ability to let go of a transgression done against you. So someone tried to hurt you, your ability to forgive them is a sign of your spiritual maturity. Not that they asked you, but your ability to let it go is a sign that you're growing up. You're a better person than you were before. Some of you right now sitting back looking at me saying, Reverend, I guess I ain't that mature. Right. It's time to grow up. I don't care if you've been in church 40 years. If you're still walking around here with aughts in your heart and mad at folk and you still have that feeling some type of way, I can't stand her, never could stand her, hated her from the first day I met her. Okay. Okay. All right. How did I get, what that done for you so far? Verse 13, on the lips of the discerning, I want to be a discerner. Skillful and godly wisdom is found. But discipline and the rod are for the back of the one who is without common sense and understanding. Whenever you function in a way that lacks common sense, sooner or later, punishment will follow. Wise men store up treasure knowledge in mind and in heart. But with the mouth, the foolish ruin 
is at hand. See, when you're wise, you take in wisdom. You're always seeking it. You're like a sponge trying to grow, trying to get wiser, trying to get better, trying to mature. The rich man's wealth is his fortress. The ruin of the poor is their poverty. The wages of the righteous, that is the upright, those who are in right standing with God, is a worthwhile, meaningful life. Life, the income of the wicked, is punishment. The wages of the righteous is not a pot of gold. It's not a, um, a mansion. It's not a, a better house or better car. No, the wages of the righteous is a meaningful life. It's a good life. When you walk in righteousness, God says, I'll give you a good life. You know, I don't know about you, but I've had a good life, and that life has not always been in nice houses. I had a good life when I was in the projects. My mama was righteous, and, and in her righteous home, we had a good life. What we lacked, we didn't even know we lacked because we had a good life. We were happy children. Now that might sound strange to you. We, I have never not had a good life. And wealth did not make <clears throat> the good life. The good life is when you can have peace. The good life is when you can have joy. The good life is when you know God for yourself. The other things complement for the comforts of life <clears throat> and the conveniences of life. They don't make the good life because I know people who have the comforts of life but have no peace. One of the, one of the sad things of this trial and this argument between Amber Heard and Johnny Depp is to see how low they both were stooped in their lives. Both extremely wealthy. Both with popularity and fame. But drugs and alcohol and arguments and, and fueled anger all through their lives. Throwing things at each other and cutting off fingers with bottles. Why? Because you could have stuff and not have peace. And I feel for both of them, I feel so sad. But I also thank Johnny for, for bringing this out because sometimes the public thinks that money solves everything. Fame solves everything. And in truth, Money and fame only exacerbate what you are and who you are. And in some ways, make you less than who you are. I got to hustle. He who learns from instructions and, and correction is on the right path of life. And for others, his example is a path toward wisdom and blessings. But he who ignores and refuses correction goes off course 
And for others, his example is a path towards sin and ruin. So he says, if you are learning on your journey, you become a living sermon, a living embodiment of grace of God and dignity. You become something people can emulate. And so too does a person on the wrong path can become something that people can see as a living sermon of what not to do. He who hides hatred has lying lips, and he who spreads slander is a fool. Let me, let me just say this to you. Gossipers ought to be careful, because even if your gossip is true, it doesn't make it your truth to tell. You don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of the hurt pain of anybody. Just like when I talk about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, I don't want to be a part of their hurt. I hope they never hear this and think I'm talking negatively about them. I love them. I pray for them. I want them both to have a joyous life when this is over. I pray somehow they walk out and a win-win can be created, that this madness can be ended. Look, you got to be careful because what you do affects the lives of others. Number four, I got to hurry up. Number four, it's discipline versus defiance. Discipline versus defiance. And that's verses 19 through 25. <clears throat> 19 through 25. Let's look. When there are many words, transgression and offense are unavoidable. But he who controls his lips and keeps thoughtful silence is wise. You know, there was a, a rap song one time, and I don't remember all the lyrics, but I do remember the refrain. It was, you talk too much. Homeboy, you never shut up. You talk too much. Homeboy, you never shut. Some folk just talk too much. Sometimes you just need to be quiet. Shut up. The tongue of the righteous is like precious silver greatly valued. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed and guide many, but fools who reject God and his wisdom die for lack of understanding. The blessing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord makes, brings riches, true riches, and he has no sorrow to it, for it comes as a blessing from God. See, God's going, when God blesses you, there's no sorrow. You know, if you, just say, for instance, if I go out and sell a kilo of, uh, I don't even know what a kilo is, but I've heard it on, on the shows before. If I sell a kilo of cocaine and, and I got riches, but then I, I find out later on the surveillance caught me and the cops are coming to get me, that, that, that riches bringeth what? Sorrow. By the same token, if I go out and work for five or six hundred dollars and I go home, I can go home and enjoy in peace. 
because there's no sorrow associated with it. And that's the blessing of the Lord versus the blessings of the world. Engaging in evil is like a sport, like sport to fools who refuse wisdom and chase sin. Well, but to a man of understanding, skillful and godly wisdom brings joy. What the wicked fears will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous for the blessing of God will be granted. See, when the wicked is worried, you know, worried about getting caught, all that, it's going to come upon him sooner or later. Uh, he, I was talking to a young man one time, and he had um, went to jail, and uh, he pleaded guilty for something he said he didn't do. And he said, uh, I said, and why did you plead guilty for, what you did for this? He said, well, they nullied out a whole bunch of other things, and uh, if, I, if I took this, they would cancel my, so I, I pleaded guilty to something I didn't do because I had done so much they didn't know about that I was just glad to take this little bit of time and make them happy. And I said to myself, you realize that sooner or later you are going to get punished and you chose the punishment you were going to have. You know, I don't know why that makes sense to anybody. To live a life that you know is crumbling, that you know is fleeting, that you know is going to take you down. And all you're trying to do is figure out what's the best way not to do the most time. How ignorant. When the whirlwind passes, the wicked is no more. But the righteous has an everlasting foundation. In other words, no matter what wind blows, what storm comes, the righteous will remain standing. No matter what wind blows, no matter how bad it gets, the righteous will be standing. I've got two more to go, and I'll close tonight. This one is duty versus deleteriousness. Deleteriousness. And, 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 and this is duty versus procrastination. Verse 26. This goes back to the previous dialogue because he says, like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy one to those who send him to work. Let me tell you something. A person that is lazy, you all you do is make everybody else sick. You just ruin everybody else's existence. You know, there are some people in this world who enter life thinking only of how I can get over on somebody. How I can do the least to get the most. And the danger of that is, it becomes the spirit of laziness. And everyone around you suffers from it. Everybody. Your parents are shamed by it. Your wife and children are, are left without. Those around you cannot depend on you. 
because you always got an excuse. Manana, manana, it's always tomorrow. At some point, you've got to live a life of duty. You got to show up, not because of who else is showing up, but because you know what you need to do. You know what you have to do. You know where you're supposed to be. Finally, number six, and I'm closing. It is devotion versus disobedience. Devotion versus disobedience. And this is verses 27 through 32. Devotion versus disobedience. He says, look, you ought to worship the Lord. The reverence, the fear of the Lord, the reverence of the Lord, worshiping and obeying, serving and trusting him. That's verse 27. With awe-filled respect, prolong one's life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Let me tell you something. When you learn how to worship God, God's going to give life to your years and years to your life. Verse 28, the hope of the righteous those with honorable character and integrity is joy. But the expectation of the wicked, those who <clears throat> oppose God and ignore his wisdom comes to nothing. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the upright, but in the ruin to those who do evil. Look, when you want to do right, the way of God is a mandate. That's a stronghold. It becomes foundational. When you want to do right, what God wants is what you want. You delight in meeting God's expectation. The, cons the consistently righteous, consistently righteous will never be shaken, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. The mouth of the righteous flows with skillful and godly wisdom, but the perverted tongue will be not cut off, but cut out. I'm not going to cut it off. I'm going I'm to pull it out and cut it out. So, you know, it's a good thing God is not doing that literally now because some of y'all right now, we'd be with tongues on your tongue. Whoop, 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 whoop. I got to cut you. It's the rule. Whoop. I'm sorry. I, I, I went a little too far. The lips of the righteous <laughs> know and speak what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked know and speaks what is perverted or twisted. Listen, as I close, I want to say this again. You know the level of your maturity in God by what you let come out of your mouth. And you will realize that you have growing up to do if you're still saying the same stuff you were saying five years ago, 10 years ago. I don't care how long you've been in church. If your tongue hasn't grown up, you're still at the primer, primer level of salvation. I don't care if you speak in tongues with it. I don't care if God uses you to interpret tongues. 
if you keep spewing hatred, wickedness, and perversion from your mouth and hurting others, your maturity is really immaturity. And don't forget the gifts and calling are without repentance, which means that God can use even an arrogant idiot to get a word to someone he loves. So don't fool yourself because you still see or you still hear from God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Cold-blooded way to end. I love you all. Thank you so much for joining me here tonight. It's been a great Bible study. I've had a wonderful time sharing with you. I look forward to seeing those of you who will join us in prayer tomorrow. Join us at 1 o'clock. We'll be praying on the prayer line. Join us. Let's have a great time in the name of the Lord. Hey, I believe God's calling us into a new and higher place, and I want to be in God's place. I want God to use us to do great things. Now, if you join us here for Bible study, then join us in our favorite thing, which is to bless those in need. So join us in giving. There are three ways to give. You can bless us now and bless those in need through Cash App, through Givelify, or through the mail. Join us in giving. I promise you that our diaconate has been more than willing to bless others, and they have not done anything other with your resources other than put it back into the hands of the people of God that need your heart, help, and your support. They love you and they love serving you. I bless God for you. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. This has been another Bible study from Shiloh. Each one of you, I'm praying for you. I'm praying your strength in the Lord. And I'm praying that from these lessons, ancient answers for the struggle, ancient wisdom for modern problems, you're growing. And if you're growing, guess what? I'm going to know it by the way you talk. God bless you. Go in peace. And the peace of God go with you. And you know what I always say, brothers and sisters, until we meet again. Shalom.